Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Millwood and Micah. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, and a director. And my name is Todd Micah. It is good to be back, guys. And today, I am not just the author of the Grimgard book series, but of my latest book, which I'm very happy to announce is finally done, Grimgard, Heirs of Destruction. It has been a long time coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, the the applause led to flashing into the crowd. (laughs) It has been a long, long journey. I counted it was 599 days Wow! from the day I started writing it to the day I finally finished it. Damn. <laughs> that is almost, that'd be almost two years, right? Two full years? Almost. It makes sense. It's a book. It's not, it's not meant to be like a super quick process unless you're Stephen King high on coke. Um, <laughs> but... There are some nights I definitely felt like I was. I had some of those nights, two, three in the morning, I'm writing. You're in like a fever pitch. Just words are flying off onto the page. And then there's those other doldrums where, you know, you're not writing at all for like two weeks. And you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, that's more me <laughs> with my writing. It's great. Um <laughs> yeah, so that's super exciting. Well, so we don't usually like, you know, I'm sure that anybody has followed us through our, you know, podcast. They're used to us talking about, you know, shows where we talked about both Avatar and Legend of Korra. But today we kind of wanted to do something different. A Q&A about your book um, since it's coming out. And so I thought I just kind of wrote up some questions and I, you know, would love to to have you talk about it. So uh what do you say? You want to go to this Q and A with me? Absolutely. Um, so, so Grimgard, heirs of destruction. First of all, um, it's a it's a story of a woman, Kazmira, who she is a sorceress, and her powers have always been used to serve other people. Whether it's the warlords of the dark fantasy world I've written, or whether it's the divine forces that guide this world toward the destinies that they think mortals need to follow. Well. Kazmira gets caught between those forces a lot, whether they're mortal or immortal, and finally she is fed up with being everybody's tool. And so the story tells of how Kazmira goes and, with everyone and everything against her, forges her own destiny for a change. And uh, I think it's a story lots of people will enjoy. There's there's magic, and there's monsters, and there's murder, and there's medieval mayhem. Um, and to first let you know where you can get it, because I know by this moment you're all dying to find out where you can order the book. It's available now. It's on Amazon. Um, it's available uh, on paperback and very soon in audiobook. Uh, and the link to the Amazon page is available in the description of the podcast. So awesome. go pause it right now, everybody. <laughs> go order it. <laughs> we'll still be here. <laughs> And just so everyone knows, there won't be any, I specifically wrote out questions that d- had no spoilers of any kind. Um, so don't worry about that. If you listen to the whole thing, there won't be any kind of spoilers. Really, these are like, they are broad questions, but in the sense of like, they're deep, broad questions. Okay. So, I'm, I'm, like, I'm ready again. for them. I'm ready for them. <laughs> All right. So we'll just start super easy and then we'll get more complex as oh, we man. go along. Oh, man. Ch- challenge me. <laughs> challenge me. She's, she's here to All test right. me, guys. Yeah. So my first question for you, Todd, is what was your favorite part of writing Heirs of Destruction? Oh, man. The end? <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean like like coming to the end of the writing process or the writing the ending? Well, the irony, <laughs> is, the irony is that I wrote the end 
months before I wrote the last word of the book. Let me let me clarify that. So, so we're there's a in the writing world there's many people who simply start page one and they write their entire book, their whole story, all the way through from beginning to ending. There's obviously lots of value in that. You're able to follow really organically the same path that your reader will be on. You're, you're timing out your reveals. You're reaching the ending and the climax of the book when you're almost done. So it's very, very exciting. I can't write that way. <laughs> I don't. Um, when I write, well, the best part about writing Heirs of Destruction is getting the ideas in my head out onto paper. And I do that in the order in which those ideas come into my head. So um, having this entire idea of, I want to write a story about this character, Kazmira, you know, there were some scenes that immediately jumped out to me. Scenes of, you know, high drama or high stakes or a dangerous situation that in my head I went, oh man, I really need to get that onto paper. I, I can see it. It's vivid. The words are coming easily to me. And so I just write, I just grab a blank page and just started putting them down. And I just followed as far as my imagination could carry. And I think sometimes people think that, you know, a story is one seed that you plant in the ground and then you develop it and it becomes a tree. I, I kind of reject that idea. My idea is that the story is many seeds, many creative ideas that come into your mind, an image that's awe-inspiring, a dramatic emotional moment a snappy bit of dialogue and those little seeds are planted everywhere. And as you're writing the book, they grow into a forest, not a tree, but a forest. And so then the forest that I've grown is this story that developed from a short story called destruction in my previous book, tales from Grimgard. Um, and the short story was intended to introduce everybody to the world. It would have a little bit of everything, sorcery, war, grief healing revenge personal discovery and it would just give everybody a sort of a uh you know a, a variety platter of what grimgard had to offer mm -hmm. um and when people really liked the story i was like wow i can expand this now into a full-length book and i can take as it were that that single tree i can now plant all these different seeds and take a grow a forest and show you guys through it and explore everything not just stand and stare at one thing and that's a great part of writing just in general wow <laughs> i was thinking that was a much more complex and deep answer than i was expecting do, do, you, such know, a simple question. do you know me miss millwood <laughs> i do know you but now i'm kind of concerned about how long we're going to go on for some of these other questions <laughs> we're going to run out of time well it's all your fault um, for asking <laughs> such a deep question right off the bat <laughs> Such a deep question. What was your favorite part of writing Heirs of Destruction? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, don't forget, right. this is the, I'm the same guy you ask, what's your favorite movie? And how big is my list? 25 movies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's like both of us, to be honest. But like, <laughs> yes. Makes sense. Um, all right. Well, I guess moving on to question two. This one is, all, all the questions going forward are basically multifaceted. Mm -hmm. So just answer whatever pops out to you mm -hmm. um talk to me about your writing style when writing an epic fantasy book like this what do you tend to focus on the most story character world building or action and don't say all four because like 
there's always a focus. <laughs> like you have to have all four to have a good story, obviously. Oh, like no, what no. when you're writing, what do you think of first? What what's your biggest focus on? Um so while I could say world building, world building in my opinion is pre-writing. Like don't mm -hmm. sure you're going to develop your world while you're writing, but like before you even think of writing a, a story, get your world building done. But to me, the most important part of the story that I focus on most is characters. And I've said for years about writing, I've even, when you and I have talked, you know, in the podcast before, or whether we're talking about script writing or book writing or anything, characters are key. The, the human connection has to be there. The core of your story, if it's depending on the setting that the book is in, in order to be successful, you have a crummy story. Right. Your story has to be able to be told in any setting. You take take these characters. I could take Casmira and her journey. I could put it in the Wild West or a science fiction story or a contemporary writing or a Victorian horror story, and it would still be the same story. It would still be everything I wanted it to be. But you know, world building is the stage, but characters are really, uh, really the key. Um, to share one thing that I really love, and I've passed this on to you before, uh, I have to give credit where credit's due. I listen a lot to Abby Emmons, who is a writing coach and a writer on YouTube. Look up Abby Emmons, everybody. She's awesome. Um, she not only provides uh, really, really good instrumental writing playlists for writers, um, but she gives mm. really good coaching on how to develop your characters. And one of them is before you start writing your story to break your characters down into their wants, their weapons, and their weaknesses. What what their wants, mm -hmm. what are their motivations, their weapons, what are their strengths, and their weaknesses, what are their vices, what are their pitfalls, where are they vulnerable. And I did a ton of that um, in advance. You gotta flesh out your characters. Um, Kazmira, one of the things that she wants in the story is to have power where she's always helped other mm. people get power before and never had any of her own. Um, her weapon uh, is both her tongue, because she is a very, very sarcastic, very sassy, very smart woman. Um, mm. But also she has a power of chaos sorcery, which lets her uh, manipulate the world and mutate things or just burn them into ashes on a whim. And her weaknesses she has a few of them. Uh, one of them is that she is very much chained to the past and it's a hard thing for her to overcome. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, characters really drive the story. And I really hope that you guys are going to love Kazmira as much as I do. <laughs> well, that's a really good transition into uh, my next question. Uh oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh oh. Uh, specifically focusing on your female character. So, as you just said, your main character, Kazmira, is a woman. And my question is that due to the current entertainment landscape being flooded by negative reception to female leads, oh did you feel any pressure when writing Casmira? <laughs> you had to hit the hot button. And I feel like this one is, I feel a little, I feel like you came for me with this one because I've talked yep. a lot before about, and I have a ton of criticism about the way female characters are written. I mean, and, and as you know, and anybody who's followed the podcast knows well, especially when we talked about Legend of Korra, I love female characters. I think that they have a ton of emotional complexity to them. I was very excited to write uh, a woman as my main character. There is a little bit of pressure, I think. Um, right now in the writing community, there's actually um, kind of a, 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 
a conversation happening, a kind of hot conversation happening about male writers' ability or rather inability to write female characters about mm -hmm. you know they're used they're objectified or they're they don't have the emotional depth or they're just written like they're men and that was something that i felt very confident going into writing kismira um i i do admit that the negative reception to female leads it didn't intimidate me but i think it motivated me more like i mm -hmm. saw the things that they were lacking and in and let me make sure i'm absolutely clear the simple fact that they are female main characters is in no way shape or form a weakness it is a shame right. it's a shame as i've said before that they've been victims of such bad writing over and over again that has created this trope of a female character have the, the the only way that they develop is that they go through the whole story unaware of how cool and perfect they are and at the end they realize everyone else was just dumb and they are as cool as they thought they were the story has to be much better our female characters our female leads they deserve so much better um and so i felt challenged to write a story worthy of them and to write a story worthy of kismira yeah i'm glad that you know, like I said, with the current landscape being so vitriolically against female characters, regardless yeah. of whether they're well-written or not, it's just on principle, it seems. Like, yeah. anytime you introduce any kind of big blockbuster movie nowadays, you know, any movies, whatever, but, like, big blockbuster movies and there's a female lead, even before, well before the movie ever comes out, I feel like there is already spewing hate and, you know, YouTube videos, yet another strong female character. It's like the movie right. hasn't even come out yet, guys. <laughs> like, calm down. Um, yeah, as a woman and as a writer, I just, I hate to see it. And yeah. so I'm glad that, like, you weren't intimidated by that and that, that it was more of a challenge for you to, like, yeah. embrace and be like, no, I'm going to write a good, strong female character, like a true strong female character. Not the ones that people claim, you know, Yes, that these other female characters are. There's so many female characters out there. And again, you know, especially in the writing community, you know, fantasy, romanticy, romance stories, like there's a, there's a huge amount of your audience is women. And there are stories that are written for women, most of them by women. And so it's, mm -hmm. there is a challenge for a male writer to foray into it. I think the some of the best and most treasured feedback that I ever got about, about Heirs of Destruction when it was still um, not fully done yet, uh, I passed it along to one of my ARC readers who she said there was a particular scene um, a few chapters in, there's a particular scene where Kazmir is reflecting upon the, the past and how it affects her in the present and her ability to make her own future. And the feedback I got was so heartening that she said you would never know that a man wrote this which is an amazing compliment to me because it expresses yeah, the best compliment you can get <laughs> it really is that she was like it expresses a very unique part of the female experience emotionally that's very hard even for women to put into words and she's like you nailed it and i'm like okay good <laughs> i feel good now this is this is good i can retire yes that's it i can retire <laughs> on this one book <laughs> very cool aside from casimir this is my fourth question who is your favorite character in the book and why obviously without giving any spoilers um boy this is a tricky one because there's a lot of there's characters. There's a lot of characters. There, like, there are. Yeah. <laughs> there are. Um, and they're fun characters, too. 
Uh, boy, oh boy. Um, the character type we have to go with is probably Oxandrus. So in, in the story, Oxandrus is the prince of angelics. So the angelic race that guides humanity's destiny, that tries to uh, retain Kesmira as their tool, um, Oxandrus is their leader. And his role in the story, uh, while I won't reveal how big a role or how much he's in the story, uh, he has the power to see the future. And he has this really really unique view upon the fact that he has lived for thousands of years watching humanity come up and die and and generation after generation of them and he has this sort of view of them that they're they're useful but they don't really have much meaning that he mm -hmm. watches them grow like leaves on a tree that eventually just fade and fall again and uh he is quite an interesting character case and i'm excited not only for his role in this story and for people to become familiar with him but uh in future books as well the grim guard cinematic universe <laughs> <laughs> Alexander will be back in the avengers <laughs> <laughs> right uh but he is a very he but he's lived as a character in the grim guard world for quite a long time um in previous books and uh the grim guard community that exists now uh, really loves and reveres the character and also kind of hates mm -hmm. him too. And, you know, we love to see that. <laughs> yeah, we, we love a love-hate enemies to lovers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my weakness. Um, all right, so switching gears just a little bit for my question five, were there any difficulties or challenges that you faced while writing Heirs of Destruction that you didn't have in your previous book, Tales from Grimguard? Whew. Um, yeah. <laughs> writing the book <laughs> yes, that's it's fair. a very it's it's a very different animal um entirely the writing process the short stories that were assembled for tales from grimguard uh i pretty much just took a sort of a leisurely i'll write as many as i can think of um and when there was no chance of getting bored with a story because you were only writing at most maybe 15 or so 15 20 pages worth and then you were done Mm -hmm. um you could put it down and start a new story and it was always new and exciting um even writers who aren't as adhd as i am that way <laughs> even they suffer with having to stick by your story for like 400 pages and it's tedious and i mean were there times when in the last basically two years i'm like i can't make myself write a single page i'm just not engaged with the story yeah actually mm -hmm. quite frankly um so it is really hard i actually when i started i thought i was going to write two books simultaneously because i i had two book ideas and i was like well if i get bored with the one after a while and burn out on it i can just switch gears and write the other one for a few weeks and right. after two years maybe i'll have two books <laughs> that didn't happen right. that didn't happen uh yeah just so just the longevity of writing a full novel is just taxing yeah especially coming from short stories it's like a completely different thing <laughs> oh yeah yeah but i learned a lot of good lessons along the way lessons as far as patience and time management how to avoid burnout and uh they served me the lessons i learned along the way uh definitely served me in the last two years love to see it <laughs> growth from the writer yep um so for my next question 
since we're talking about your other books that you've written, this is your third dark fantasy book that you've written all within the Grimguard universe. Mm -hmm. Again, cinematic universe. (laughs) You know, it's not a movie. (laughs) Um, What draws you so much to this particular genre, the dark fantasy genre? And have you ever thought of venturing out into other genres like mystery, romance, comedy, etc.? I love this question. I love this question because I love dark fantasy so much. I, I, the best word I can think of about dark fantasy is that it's a very versatile genre. Um, Mm. It it combines the beauty and the magic of fairy tales that we read as children with the gray gritty reality that we have to live in as adults. And dark fantasy can be, anywhere in that spectrum it can be more whimsical but with you know gritty language or violence in it and that's what makes it dark it can be morally gray where you have no true heroes in in it um i've often enjoyed defining the genre when people are like fantasy i get but what's dark fantasy um and the way i've always liked to say it is dark fantasy is when the good guys are not necessarily good people right and so what I think I love about creating Grimguard as a dark fantasy world is that it's a careful balance of making the world hard and ugly and scary, but also showing the way that magic and wonder lives in the spaces in between. Because very much like the real world, which is hard and ugly and scary, the magic isn't gone, but it's just mm-hmm. harder to find. And we have to look a little closer to find it. Right. Do you think I'd really be able to get through this entire interview without being philosophical? (laughs) No, of course not. What do do they call me? Uncle Todd? The wisdom from Uncle Todd? (laughs) That sounds so much like Uncle Roger. (laughs) Uncle Roger. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, so kind of going off that second question, so have you ever thought of, like, venturing out to a different genre in terms of you know writing a book or maybe another short story collection like has that ever crossed your mind or are you kind of deeply rooted in the in the dark fantasy at the moment well i'm i'm (laughs) i'm married to grimguard at the moment but i've definitely in the past before i was fully committed i did think of dating other genres um (laughs) i (laughs) i mean at some point in the future like you know might i branch out further yes uh ironically as much as i love writing fantasy i and i do read it i actually read and enjoy science fiction i don't mean Mm. to say it this way but kind of more see (laughs) because i think it's because um fantasy is kind of there's always tropes in fantasy there's magic and there's wizards and there's dragons and it's really hard to break out of that that sort of you know uh tolkien-esque arthurian legend if you will that kind of shapes the fantasy genre if you don't i mean i think i told somebody at one point yeah grimguard Grimguard doesn't have elves and they were like what there's no elves and i was like yeah there's no elves and they're like i don't know if i can i don't know if i could do this man you know um too much of an ask yes it really was for one person they were like i'm not reading this book there's no elves in it and i'm like oh I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to see you go. Um, but science fiction in a way is like more, even more free. You can really go everywhere with science fiction. Um, 
And I mm. could never write contemporary fiction because having to get the facts straight about like real world locations and stuff, like I could never feel comfortable writing a location other than someplace I've been. And I would be racking up lots and lots and lots of travel just going to places so that I could give an accurate depiction. I'd much rather dream up an entire galaxy than do that. Right. <laughs> you know? That's fair. <laughs> Um, so moving on back to your book, uh, how do you give each of your characters their own unique voice? Do you draw real life inspiration from people that you know when crafting your fictional characters? Uh, yes, I, I, I draw inspiration from people I know, but not intentionally or knowingly at the time. So, um, mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, characters are really the root of my story, um like Kiazmira, i spent a ton of time with the main character really diving deep into her motivations and her strengths and weaknesses um and i i spent a lot of time sort of considering the way that she would see the world trying different scenarios on her to be like how would she react in this how would she react if um she met an old friend how would she um react if she lost someone she cared about how would she react if she suddenly was confronted about her past like and just it helped shape this theoretical idea of her into a real character that i eventually knew really well um when i do that with characters because i did that with every character in the book I think what I do is I, I write my characters based on how I want the reader to feel when they interact with them. But we only know what we know. So I think more than once I've written a whole bunch of the book, looked back and go, oh, I definitely was basing my feelings about being in the room with this character based on the way I felt in the presence of somebody in my life or the way somebody has treated me before. I just put them into mm. the book as a character. Um, and I think we do that a lot, but uh, I know I definitely did. And it was a real sometimes eye-opening moment when you look back at your characters and be like, whoa, I know all these people in real life. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I remember you, like, not... Like, you had asked me when you were writing, like, I think it was last year, like, you were fully into the book by that point, and you were asking me, like, why do you like these, you know, fictional female characters that you like? Mm -hmm. And, like, I was confused by the question, <laughs> like, I didn't understand that you were trying to, like, get some insight from a female four female characters about why I like them, yeah. and, like, it was for Casimira, like, you were trying to, like, figure out I was, I was that, picking you your know. brain, yes. Yeah, I do remember that. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so cool. Kind of leading in, kind of branching off of that, um, in real-life inspiration for your characters, what were your influences when writing Heirs of Destruction? Did you draw inspiration from other books, movies, TV, or other writers? You mean when I inspired by the, the <laughs> finest screenwriter I know, Amanda Millwood? Was I? <laughs> I was literally going to say, you cannot save me. <laughs> it's not fair. Oh, darn it. <laughs> no. So the Groom Guard aesthetic overall uh, obviously draws influence from lots of other fine fantasy sources. Things like, you know, Lord of the Rings or other dark fantasy genres like The Witcher, which has reached kind of the height of its media exposure. Um, the Witcher was a strong influence shaping just the grimguard world in general um but to be honest with you 
the actual inspirations for my book while I was writing it were the everything but fantasy. Um, I actually found myself inspired a lot by uh, Jane Austen's writing and her film oh, adaptations. There were lots <laughs> of times when I was envisioning a scene and I thought of it like, what if this is a scene out of Pride and Prejudice? What if this is a scene out of my favorite Jane Austen film, Sense and Sensibility? Um, That's my mom's favorite. <laughs> Literally like her favorite movie of all time. Your mom has very <laughs> fine taste. <laughs> yeah. And I found myself really inspired by things because when I envisioned it, I envisioned it less like Lord of the Rings and more like a character piece with interpersonal conflicts mm -hmm. and really, really beautiful, intimate sort of like cinematography to it. If I were to think of it in my mind, I didn't think of, I thought of it more um, like Elizabeth Bennett you know, having a pensive moment and less like Aragorn flinging open the doors, you know. Hottest <laughs> moment ever captured on film. <laughs> Nothing will ever top it. Let, let, let me rephrase that. It was more like Mr. Darcy crossing the field in the morning than, than Aragorn flinging <laughs> open the doors. I need to compare leading man to leading man here. <laughs> right. um, but as far as writers go, um, Kristen Hanna, who is a very, very good writer. She writes really good contemporary uh, fiction, very, very emotional pieces, very emotionally intelligent writing. Um, I think I had a copy of uh, her book, Winter Garden, sitting right next to me on the writing desk. Uh, yeah, it is. It's still right next to me. <laughs> nice. And also uh, James Patterson, the absolutely prolific writer of many, many crime dramas uh, and mysteries. Uh James Patterson is to books what Tarantino is to film. He is just the king of dialogue, in my opinion. And you know that dialogue is a huge focus of mine. Mm -hmm. I think my dad has, like, every James Patterson book. I've never read or I don't know a single thing about them. I just see the name in these big, bold letters on all of his oh books on his bookshelf. Oh, my God. I'm like, who is you have to, Why do you have You have to pick up any James Patterson book. You will see really quickly why I drew inspiration from his dialogue. It's so witty, and it's so smart. Nice. I'll have to steal one of my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So approaching some of our last questions... This one is really fun for me personally. I totally did this just for me. <laughs> I love I, I love that these these are these are you flavored because this is why this is why I said there's nobody I'd rather have interview me than you because your questions aren't just going to be cut and paste. They're going to reflect on what you're interested in writing. Yes. And this one especially, um, if a major studio were to approach you with all the money in the world to adapt Air of Destruction into a movie or TV show, who would you want to write and direct and why? And they can be the same person or different people writing and directing. But like, why would you want those people? <laughs> so, so I actually feel pretty inspired about who my director would be because I was just talking about it. Uh, it would The director would probably be Joe Wright who was the director of Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. uh, he also directed... Didn't he do Atonement, too? He did Atonement, and he did Darkest Hour. I love Atonement. He also did Darkest Hour and uh, the film version of Anna Karenina. Um, he did that. Right. Um, so I would definitely have Joe Wright as the director. The writer... 
I gotta say, it'd probably be the director of a bunch of, I think you'll agree on the quality of the writing on this. It would be uh, John Logan. He was the writer for Sweeney Todd and Gladiator, uh, Rango, Skyfall, uh, The Aviator, and one of my personal favorite TV shows of all time, uh, Penny Dreadful, the Victorian horror drama. Mm-hmm. His writing is so good. It's so elegant, but it's also just, it's funny. And it's just, he has such a good range. Um, but he brings so much life and animation to the characters. And the characters in Heirs of Destruction, uh, all of them deserve, they really do deserve like that that power and that life uh, in their writing. In, in, and uh, to really capture the depth that I put into them, I, I don't think of anybody, there's almost nobody else I would trust with my characters <laughs> but him. Wow. That would be interesting. Like, I, I didn't know the name when you said it, but like thinking back on all of the stuff that he's worked on, like, yeah, I do like all those, you know, screenplays. Yeah. So, um, that's interesting. Now, this isn't part of the question, but now I'm curious, would you want it to be a movie or would you want it to be a TV show? Because like when I was reading it, I was picturing it as a movie. Like I could see maybe the Grimguard, Tales from Grimguard being like a, you know, maybe a 20 minute episode mini series, kind of like Cabinet of Curiosities yeah, it's, on Netflix. It's an anthology, yeah. But yeah, but Air of Destruction, I was like definitely imagining it when I was reading it as a movie. Is that, yeah? would you agree with that? Or do you think it could be a show? I I think, I think, you know, you and I talk about a, a lot, the difference between the way shows are done, whether they're serialized or, you yes. know, and, and I think that while you could certainly have those disconnected stories, just chapters in a mini series, I think it'd be possible to make it as a show. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of, you know, we're very familiar with kind of like the Marvel uh the the marvel formula of like a fast start and then like a a middle of the movie climax and then like a cool down and then the big climax my book doesn't have that so there's a lot of small you know high points low points and high points and low points and while it would certainly make a good movie and I would dare say it'd probably have to be kind of a long movie to, to, to accommodate that. I think it could do well as a show just because I think each quote unquote episode length in the story, you could find a dramatic point, a dramatic high point or a, a crushing low point to end an episode on. I think you definitely could. Okay. Interesting. Well, um, with that said, we've come to our final question, and that is, what are you hoping that your readers will gain from your book after they read it? Anything at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I really think that this question reaches to the very beginning of the writing process. You know, when you're writing it, you got to know what you're putting into it. It's, it's, a, it's a stew. And what you're putting into it is what all the flavors you want to bring to the surface, what you want to provide. There are things in it that are going to nourish that aren't necessarily going to be the big flavors that you're tasting, but it's all in there. Um, I want people to gain from my book a realization what it takes to put into action this phrase. To get what you have never had, you have to do what you've never done. And Kazmira is faced with that exact struggle. She has been one way. She has done things a certain way her entire life, and it has never gotten her what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And she's going to go through all of the pain of having to break old habits and change and grow beyond who she was before in order to get those things. 
it's it's a battle between her inner child and her jaded spirit it's uh her struggling with the expectations to be perfect um and most of all it's a fight to break free from old ways and old old things that you know and leaving them behind so there's there's a lot to the story but i really really want people to understand and have it illustrate what it takes to get what you really want that's really great that they're getting all that in just one story and i mean how many remind me how many pages is it uh it's some 400 400 some some 400 odd pages yeah so it's not very long at all (laughs) (laughs) no not at all i mean it's not it's not short obviously but it's not not war and peace you know no it's not an encyclopedia so like yeah you can cram all of that into 400 pages i mean that's that's awesome like there's a lot of there's there's a lot of written not just the story itself, but written into the story. There's a lot of symbolism I've layered into it. There's, you know, the characters in the story represent a lot of things in somebody's life. Um, there's a lot of personification of struggles and pains and things that people go through. Um, and I know that it's a book that you can read it. And then when you get to the end and read it a second time, there are so many things you'll pick up on, not just the twists in the story, um, but knowing what comes at the end, you'll be able to pick up so many more things on a repeat read. So, you know, I wrote, I did my best to layer a lot into this and, and make it something people want to come back to again. That's awesome. Um, well, I, I've only, just to be totally clear to everybody, I've only read the first, what, hundreds, 50 something, I think you sent me pages. So I don't even yep, know. Yep. You you did get an advanced <laughs> like portion of the story to read. Yeah, so. so I don't even know where the other, you know, 300 or so pages go. So I'm, I'm very excited to read, even though I'm, <laughs> I've told Todd, I'm a terrible <laughs> reader. Like I love books, but I just have really bad ADD. So like my attention, <laughs> I cannot focus. So maybe I'll get the audiobook version um, and I'll listen to it because that's how I, I tend to get my books in nowadays is just listening to them while I'm driving, you know, to and from work and all that. But yeah, no, I'm super excited to hear what the rest of the story was because I really did like the first 150 pages that I was given. Um, and so, you know, just as a wrap up, if you want to reiterate where we can find the book. <laughs> yes, the the uh, the links to the book are in the description. Um, it's available on Amazon. Um, you can find links to uh, not just the book, but also my social media. If you want to follow my official author account, it's at Todd Micah Author on Instagram. Um, please follow me there. Pick up a copy of the book. Leave a review. I would love to get any and all feedback about it. Um, you know, a self-published author uh, does all their own marketing. They're a one-man show as far as making it happen. And there's, you know, lots of help along the way. There's the support from, you know, my fellow writers, people like you, Amanda, who helped me so much along the way, whether it's giving me ideas, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and inspiring me and encouraging me so much. Uh, my amazing editors who did such an incredible, fine, thorough job um checking it for inconsistencies and spelling mistakes and anything like that um but you know it's all an uphill battle there's not a brand you know behind me you know our show is indie you know i'm indie and it's people that are dedicated who show up every time for you that really really make it happen and very much like the fans and the listeners of this podcast you know i can't express enough appreciation to everybody who buys my book who leaves me a review and who shares it with somebody who you think might like it. 
So a huge thank you in advance to everybody who buys the book. Grimguard Heirs of Destruction, it's available on Amazon uh, and paperback. Uh, and also, if not already by the time you're listening to this, very soon in audiobook format. Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited for you. And I know it's been such a long, two, almost two-year journey. So I can't wait to see it all come together and fruition. And I better see your like, name somewhere on that review page, Amanda. Oh, for sure. I still need to leave my review for your first book, which oh, no. I was thinking about today. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I guess just for us, like completely unrelated to your book, um, from Millwood and Micah, we're going to be doing Star Wars. Yes, Yay! our new, our new, Finally. our new series. Yes, we've had some, some, uh, some life hurdles, the two of us, and some technical issues and things that have kept us back a little bit. Uh, the third season of Millwood and Micah, Millwood and Micah, a Star Wars story, uh, will be starting up very soon. We will be uh, airing new episodes coming very shortly after this one. Uh, so to all of our listeners, again, thank you for your patience. We'll have more of what you've been craving. That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff. You can find us on Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. And don't forget that our sweet podcast merch is available on Tee Public. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.